0: Welcome to The Paradigm Concept, hosted by myself, Dr. David Rawless, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. The Paradigm Concept will feature leaders and innovators in the healthcare industry, in particular dentistry, to help you find new, efficient and innovative ways to build a world-class practice and deliver better patient care. At Paradigm Oral Health, we're all about shaping the future of our specialty, with a focus on putting the needs of the patient first. Learn more and subscribe today at ParadigmOralHealth.com. Hi, this is David Rawls, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. I'm joined today by Dr. Mike Walker of Chester County Oral Surgery in the Philadelphia area. Mike is a good friend and partner of mine in Paradigm. I've had the great pleasure of getting to know him over the past year or so and work with him, and it's just been a, a real joy to learn together. Definitely one of the nicest, hardest-working people I know, and it's great having his help lead Paradigm as we, we navigate the future what i've used these podcasts for is to learn you know personally and for anyone else who happens to be listening about what's made people successful in life and practice and then try to translate those into our business so what i thought we'd talk about today is maybe first about your practice how it's developed over time your career how you made the decision to join paradigm and how that's been so far and then how you see the future of your practice and more broadly oral surgery and dentistry over time so if that sounds like a reasonable plan, Mike, we get started.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. No, thanks. Thanks for the great introduction too.
0: It's very true. Well, I guess just for context so everyone can understand where you're coming from. Maybe if you could just give a sense of your background, you know, how you grew up, how you ended up going into dentistry and oral surgery and and how you eventually came to Chester County Oral Surgery.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So I grew up mostly, well, between Idaho and California, originally from Idaho, but my family moved to the Bay Area of California when I was pretty young. And so I spent most of my childhood there in California. My dad was a general contractor at the time, and my mom mostly stayed home and was a part-time bookkeeper as well. So both my parents, uh, extremely hard workers never really super financially successful, but incredibly hard workers. And I, you know, I don't remember thinking when I was growing up that we were poor. I think my parents did a really good job managing what they had. But now in retrospect, you know, I can see that resources weren't as readily available as maybe they would have liked. But I learned a lot from my parents about work and work ethic and being willing to put the effort into try and achieve your goals. And i worked a lot with my dad growing up. He would take me to work on the weekends or during the summer and um, learned a lot about building houses. And he also owned a cabinet business, so we built cabinets a lot together. And I remember my dad always telling me, pushing me to go to college and to get an education, something that he never did. And so that was kind of ingrained in me as, as a child to not following his footsteps. He didn't want me to go into construction or into anything like that. He wanted me to go to college and to get a degree and to find something different to do with my life. And I I say different, not better, because I think there's a lot of great opportunities in the trades and those kinds of things as well. So, But that's kind of how I grew up. And so in high school, my family moved back to Idaho, and that's where I ended up graduating from high school, just outside of Boise, Idaho, which plays a role later in my life and how I got into oral surgery as well. So from Idaho, I I ended up going to Idaho State University, which had an arrangement with Creighton Dental School at the time. So I was able to capitalize on that and able to attend Creighton Dental School, which I think was honestly one of the best dental schools that I've ever come across. It was just Really full of down to earth, great faculty and lots of opportunity because there were no specialty residency programs. And so we really got a full taste of all of the opportunities in dentistry from endodontics to periodontics to oral surgery. And so that was kind of my first foray, I guess, into oral surgery and taking out wisdom teeth and doing sedations, things like that. You know, this was early 2000s. So even I placed my first implant in dental school too, which at the time was pretty unheard of. But during dental school, I actually got quite sick for a period of time and ended up having a pretty major surgery in between junior and senior years during that summer, kind of right over the time period where you would put in your applications for specialty programs and do your interviews and things. And so I kind of missed all of that opportunity and at the time wasn't really sure what I wanted to do anyway because I'd been sick for quite some period of time but after that surgery things were much much better for me and so I kind of had to decide what do I want to do but I had missed most of those application deadlines and so I ended up taking an AEGD spot back in Boise Idaho through Idaho State University so we moved back after dental school moved back to Boise and one of the faculty members of that AEGD at the time that was responsible for oral surgery. Well, two of them were Eric Nelson and Kevin Kempers, who are part of Paradigm now, as well, the Whitewater Oral Surgery Group. So I got to know Kevin and Eric quite well during that year in Boise. And I was at their practice. At the time, they weren't partners. So I was actually at Kevin Kempers' practice at the time. And he had a patient who had had a BSSO come in and some of the screws had popped out of one side. And so Kevin did some sedation, had the young man go off to sleep. And then he put a trocar in and put these screws back in. And I just remember at the time thinking, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs>
0: right?
1: Yeah. And so Kevin, he looks up for me and we got to know each other quite well at this point. But he looks up at me and he says, Mike, why aren't you doing oral surgery? He's like, I've watched you in this AGD for the last, you know, seven, eight months. Like, I think you'd be really good at it. You seem to like it. Why aren't you doing this? And I said, I said, honestly, Kevin, like, I guess I hadn't really thought about it. I'd thought about orthodontics before and then other things, but I said, Well, that's an interesting idea. Let me look into it. And so I got online that night and looked at the match, and and the match was actually the next day. So I'd missed all the Deadlines, all the applications, all the interviews and everything, right? And at the time, my wife, we had four kids. My wife was pregnant with the fifth. And so I was like, Kevin, I can't wait around for another year like, to do this, to send in applications and to hope this works out. Like, I'll have five kids by then. And he said, well, let me make a call to University of Pennsylvania where Kevin had trained. And let me just see if there's an intern spot or something that maybe you could at least get your foot in the door and see if you even like it. Right. And I said, okay, that's fine. So he called Dave Stanton, who was the program director at the time. And Dave said, yeah, we've got an intern spot. So why don't you have them apply for it and come out and interview? So, so I did that and they gave me an intern spot. And then it was probably a few weeks later that David called me and he said, Hey, Mike, just curious, you know, we actually had one of our Residents that matched with us can't actually take the spot. And so I've got a, a residency spot open, a six year residency spot open, the University of Pennsylvania. Would you be interested if I offered that to you? And I was like, yeah, of course. Right. Like, <laughs> just get that whole interview process. He said, well, your, your application, you know, is strong enough and your scores are good enough that I don't think we'll have any trouble getting you in if that's something that you want to do. And so, you know, I think things happen for a reason. I, you know, I don't think things are usually an accident, yeah. but kind of a huge miracle in in our lives. And I remember asking my wife during this whole time, you know, after Kevin had said, Hey, you should do oral surgery. I called my wife and remember we had four kids fifth on the way, and I said, kind of jokingly, I said, <laughs> Hey, Kevin thinks that I should do oral surgery." And she says, "Well, how long is that?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> like six years." <laughs> <laughs> and she I, like I expected her to laugh right and be like yeah right buddy like I've been along for this whole ride like go get a job you got five kids right yeah and she says like honestly I'm on the phone with her and she says well if that's what you want to do then you should do it right and I was kind of like I was like wow really like wow it's
0: <laughs> so, wow, like whole thing is like divine intervention huh
1: I know, right so that's so that I ended up at, you know, at University of Pennsylvania did my residency there which was phenomenal, you know, great experience, you know, one of the best programs in the country and best med schools in the country. So learned a ton there. And then during that time, you know, the plan was to hopefully go back to Boise and to work with Kevin, his partner, you know, was due to retire with the economic downturn at the time. Kevin ended up joining with Eric Nelson. They joined their practices together. And so it was kind of just poor timing for them to bring somebody else in. So I, You know, I looked around, I looked all over the Northwest and actually looked back in Nebraska too, because we really liked our time in Omaha and just couldn't find anything that felt like the right fit. And so my wife and I talked about it. I said, Well, you know, I did my OBGYN training during med school at this small community hospital, Chester County Hospital, not far from where we were living at the time. And I said, I really liked that hospital, liked the community there. So maybe, maybe there's a group there that, might need a surgeon to come in. So I, I just cold called, I reached out to the group of surgeons here at Chester County and, and they said, actually, yeah, we really need somebody right now and you'd be a perfect fit. And so, it, you know, again, just kind of really worked out for the best. So I've been at Chester County oral surgery now for nine going on 10 years. And at the time when I joined, there were three other surgeons, Jim Gustana, Cindy Trenacosti and Amin Kazumi. Jim's since retired before we joined Paradigm, and we brought in an associate who's now our partner, Brad Bellows. So there's still four of us. We're looking at adding another location right now, and we've got a new surgeon starting in just under a month, too. So so that's kind of the story of, yeah. of how I got here and, and where I am now.
0: Well, that's a great story. I think we kind of ironically have somewhat similar backgrounds that I didn't realize, but I, I guess I can see how we relate so well to one another my dad's a contractor as well and kind of grew up in the same type of environment and that that seemed to be so impactful like at the time i you know kind of hated a lot of it but looking <laughs> back those are you know super valuable lessons to just learn how to work i mean i think that so much of it is just working harder or not cutting corners you know doing things you know like as paul gustman always says like and probably others have said, like, successful people have a habit of doing the things that unsuccessful people don't want to do. So it's not not, not necessarily being better or smarter. It's just, you know, kind of doing the things that other people don't always yeah. want to do.
1: Yeah, it's uh, interesting, too, because I look back at what I learned from my dad doing construction and building cabinets and things. I'm like, so much of it just really translates right over to what we do as oral surgeons, too, right? And it's funny, because my dad would always say... <clears throat> In high school, he, he just had stopped building houses and was just doing cabinets. And so I would come in after school, and he would just, you know, give me a cut list, and I would spend the afternoon cutting lumber for him into, you know, whatever he needed to build the cabinets. And and he would always tell me, he would say, "Hey, measure twice and cut once, right?" And <laughs> and then I show up at University of Pennsylvania, and Dave Stan, I'm in the operating room, we're doing a LaFort or something, right? And he says, "Hey." Measure twice and cut once. It's like, you know, it's like it's like we're basically doing construction here, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, cutting a VSSO is not all that much different than a two by four, putting yeah. in a lag screw or or whatever. So exactly. yeah, no, I think about that a lot as well. So I guess fast forwarding a bit, you had a nice career at Chester County Oral Surgery, and sounds like you guys have all grown. The practice and beautiful facilities, top notch practice, one of the nicest practices I've come across. You know, when we started talking, I know probably over a year ago. And I, you know, sort of convinced you to consider joining us. Maybe talk about what went into that decision because you, you know, already had a pretty spectacular practice and things.
1: Yeah. So our practice really has been established for over 40 years. Fred Disc was the first surgeon who founded it back in the 70s. And then Jim Gustana, who I mentioned, joined him a few years later, really well-established in the community, really kind of the only oral surgeons in the community at all for you know almost that entire 40 years. And so Fred and Jim just put so much into building the practice and, and really integrating themselves into the dental community. And so we consider most of the referrals who send us patients our friends as well, right? And, and we've been really fortunate to have that kind of relationship. And then Cindy joined a little bit, you know, a few years later, and then Amin after her. You know, I felt like I just walked into this amazing situation where I had really strong partners, really good people to work with, who had a strong vision of taking the best care possible of patients, really investing in the referrals, education, building those relationships, taking good care of them, being available for phone calls or whatever the referrals needed, and. It just seemed like just the ideal situation right from the beginning. But as you're aware, one of the challenges, I think, in private practice is running the business, right? And so our practice with four surgeons, we had, you know, when I joined probably 35 or so employees, and that continued to creep up to closer and closer to 50. We had an, like a practice administrator when I joined, but we made a couple of changes there over the years too, to bring in stronger and stronger people to help run the business, but it just became more and more challenging. And I I had taken on the role of the managing partner a couple of years after I joined and enjoyed that aspect of it. I enjoyed the running of the business, enjoyed being involved in, in all of that, but could see how much time demand it also was to just keep the practice going on a day-to-day basis and staff turnaround and the challenges that go with that. And so I had considered... You know, the private equity backed groups for some time. And it kind of just kept my eye on it and tried to kind of get a feel for what was going on in the dental community in general and just look at what opportunities were out there. And I kind of broached that subject with my partners a couple of times, but, you know, we kind of all just poo pooed it for the most part. And we're just like, no, we have such a good thing here. We're so well established. Why would we ever give up our freedom and our autonomy? And, join some group that's going to tell us what to do. And so we kind of just kept pushing back against that idea. And then out of the blue, Kevin Kempers called me and, and Kevin and I've been good friends since my time there with him when he did that PSSO in the office. But he just called me one day, I say out of the blue, but not totally out of the blue because we talk to each other all the time. But he called me and he said, Hey, have you ever thought about joining one of these groups? And I said, Yeah, I've thought about it a little bit, but just not really interested in what most of them are offering. And he said, well, you ought to talk to David Rallis because they hadn't joined you yet, but they were close to it. They were close to signing the contract. And he said, we ought to really talk to David because I think you'll find this to be a different situation. And really, I think you guys would be a good fit for what Paradigm's doing. And I I kind of skeptically was like, all right, Kevin, whatever, like, fine, connect me with David, but I don't know where this is going to go. I Not really holding out that this is gonna be, you know, spectacular or anything, but whatever. You're my friend and you've been a mentor. So I'll talk to David. So I think it was that same afternoon that all of a sudden I got a call from you and you just told me what Paradigm was about and what Paradigm was doing. And my skepticism kind of, you know, got pushed aside pretty quickly and turned into excitement. And I remember asking a lot of questions from you know business perspective, but also like contracts and how. Everything worked with joining paradigm and and it was just very clear that it was such a different organization than anything else that was out there. You know, from I think one of the things you said to me was, Hey, we're only looking at the best practices in the country. And so we don't want to come in and change what you're doing. We just want to we want you to keep doing what you're doing and we just want to help you do it better. Right. And I was like, Well, that's different, right? That's different than somebody coming in and saying, Oh we're going to change your hours and cut your staff and all the stuff that some of these other groups are about to try to reduce expenses.
0: I remember that call, like sitting in my truck in in the parking lot of our office here. I remember talking to you that afternoon. That's exactly what we hope to do. I think how we've been different is just how the whole organization was even born versus, you know, maybe others that are, you know, consolidating oral surgery practices. And that, you know, we had a pretty sizable practice that was in a couple of States and, just kind of had a way of doing things that happened to be similar to other great practices like yours. And I thought that, you know, we'd continue to have opportunities to grow and we should probably do it in a more organized, sustainable way. And that's when we set up Paradigm was in 2018, meant to sort of attract similar practices because, you know, it's fun to work with people that have the same vision and it's fine if people don't have the same vision, but you know, our practices are, and we're really youthful. You know, I think our average sage is somewhere around... 42 or 41. And it's people that are not looking for a way to check out, but a way to do things better. And not that I have a better way of doing things or paradigm does, but, you know, we sort of have the resources to collate a lot of great ideas and hire people and spend on things that we wouldn't have before and really help people to develop. Because I think, you know, like people like you that were already strong leaders in your practice, None of us were super formally trained in those things, I guess, but there's a lot of resources that we can have collectively to make each of us better resources and think more like a CEO where we don't necessarily have to get deep into the bookwork or do the payroll or all these things, but think strategically, make decisions, and then have a team that can execute them. And I think that's where you've done like just a tremendous job since joining us probably before as well, probably always. As people say, is my practice going to change when I join Paradigm? It's like, well, of course, like, otherwise, why would you do it? Like, you know, people talk about wanting to make generational wealth and all these like catchphrases, but like, how do you think that's going to happen if nothing changes? Is it magic? It's like, of course, things have to change. But for good practices, you know, your practice probably always changes. It's just hopefully Paradigm helps that happen better and faster and access to things that you wouldn't have had before. And I think for some references for listening, people are listening. It was already a wildly successful practice. Not that things are about how much you do, but in a referral-based environment, people are coming to see you, you know, you're being graded by the dentist. So you kind of got to do good work and they're not going to keep sending people to you more and more and more unless your work's really good and people are having a great experience. So, you know, it's really kind of a a nice volume is something that's a little bit important to look at. And Mike's implant volume for one, because that's a thing that I think a lot of people like to look at. We enjoy doing implants and it's a bucket that can grow, you know, unlike wisdom teeth, we're probably not going to grow more wisdom teeth, but we can replace more and more teeth. And I think your whole practice—I just looked before we got on here—since joining Paradigm this year, for the first half of the year, your your implant volume has grown by thirty-nine percent, and that was on top of like an already really busy practice. And your personal implant growth is like seventy-nine point two percent. So just just extraordinary. And I think every type of opportunity that we've hopefully all created together, whether it's, you know, having executive coaches, like we've utilized Paul in that role, or going to, you know, different types of seminars that we've hosted, or even teaching them to other doctors, you know, sharing ideas, you seem to have embraced all of that. And the performance is almost unlike anything I've seen. So I'll stop my monologue there. But maybe, you know, talk about that, and how that's evolved and what you've enjoyed.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think the best part of joining paradigm is, all of a sudden you're partners with surgeons all over the country, not just surgeons, but the best surgeons all over the country. And so I remember we hadn't even joined yet and you had come out for dinner. I think you and Witt had come out for dinner and we had dinner together. And at the end of dinner, you said, Hey, I think you'd really get along well with and learn a lot from my personal executive coach, who's Paul Gustafson. And you said, I'd like to connect you with him. And I was kind of in shock at that at the time too. I was like, wow, like, and I went home and I looked up Paul Gustafson. I looked up his resume online, you know, and I was like, holy cow, this guy's like, he's the <laughs> real deal, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I was like, and here I am, you know, David's connecting me with this. I, I sort of was like, wow, this is like, I felt honored, really, like uh-huh. I, I really did. And so I, I spent a little bit of time with Paul, even before we joined Paradigm and learned a lot. And I still learn a lot from Paul. We still connect, you know, and um, Paul's so willing to teach. But a couple of things he always talks about is the sharing of knowledge, right? And when we can share knowledge, it's really has such an impact on what we're able to do. And Paradigm does that so well, right? We have great surgeons all over the country and they're also willing to share what they know and what they do, which has been really exciting for me. Cause I, you know, I felt like for the last nine years, like I felt like I'm a good surgeon. I'm definitely felt like I'm above average. Like I'd been a really good surgeon and had a really good career, but all of a sudden like I see what everybody else is doing. I'm like, holy cow, like I have so much room that I could grow and improve and do things better. And just being able to look at, you know, people like Tom Stone or Daniel Yakub or Jim O'Brien or, you know, any of those guys, Mark Jessen, Chad Reboon and, you know, Kevin Reek and all those guys who are just willing to share has just opened the doors. And and really, I've always loved going to work. I've loved my career, loved my office, loved staff, all of that. But I just feel like this, reinvigoration like this newfound excitement to go in and to try new things and to expand what i'm able to do on a daily basis and one of the things paul really helped me to understand is this operational system design and paul's got a great model that he talks about in in his book where you're really designing your systems around the outcome that you want so if you start with that and you say for instance for me this year with, you know, more time on my hands, doing less administrative stuff. I've been able to look at my practice and say, what is it that I really want to get out of my practice this year? And for me, one of those things was I felt like I kind of plateaued on implants the last couple of years where there'd been consistent growth year after year. And then the last two years, it kind of plateaued at like 400, 420 implants a year, which isn't, isn't a bad number, but I was like, certainly There's people out there doing more than that. And I would like to do more than that. I'd like to do more immediate implants. I'd like to do more emergency implants, those kinds of things. And so Paul and I sat down and we talked and he said, well, what's the outcome you want? And I said, I think we need to change the mentality in our office from taking out teeth being the focus to putting implants in being the focus and design our systems around that being the goal, right? We put implants in, we'll take teeth out if they're in the way of the implants, but really the goal is to put the implants in. And I say that a little tongue in cheek because certainly we're doing whatever's best for the patient. But I genuinely believe that the best thing for most patients when you're taking out a tooth is to put an implant in, right? To replace it for them. And so it's been really fun to then go to the staff and to sit down as a team and to say, hey, look, this is the goal. The goal is we want to put implants in. So now how do we design our system around that? From the people answering the phones to the people doing the billing and the insurance predeterminations to the surgical staff, to the front desk, all of that, right? And to redesign our system to achieve the outcome that we want. And so just this year, like you said, my personal implant growth is you said like 79%, right? So it's fun to see that, right? And I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm doing it, like I haven't made a huge change in my practice. It's just changing the focus a little bit, right? And it's just opened up so many more opportunities. And then on top of that, the other resources that are out there, right? So so I've gotten to know Tom Stone really well over the last five or six months as well and spent a lot of time with him. And, you know, Tom's one of the implant gurus known nationally for what he's accomplished with implant placement over the years. And so, you know, to sit down and to learn from Tom and even go out to his practice and spend some time out there watching what he does and learning even just like scripting with patients and how do you talk about these things so that you can help them to buy into the whole idea of replacing their teeth with implants as well, right? And understand that it's worth the investment, right? Because it's a financial investment for them, but how to have those conversations. And so really what's changed for me is instead of having patients coming in and talking about taking out a tooth and doing a bone graft, now we talk about doing immediate implant and we're doing that consult same day surgery and placing so many more implants on a daily basis. just an example of one area where we've been able to make such a big improvement.
0: Yeah. You've said that before. And I don't think it really, it didn't resonate with me until just now. I think I'm going to, you know, after we finish filming this, I'm going to go out to our front desk and talk about that with our office staff, because yeah, we're focused on that. We remove teeth or, you know, do other jaw surgeries or pathology or whatever, but we sort of, I think we're definitely focused on like removing teeth, not replacing teeth and not that every tooth, you know, has to be replaced or should be replaced, but you know, removing teeth isn't a real joyful type of thing for most people. Yeah, but replace You know, having teeth is certainly a much better alternative. I think that's really impactful. Just, you know, our scheduling coordinators, our treatment coordinators, our surgical assistants sort of thinking about it from that perspective. We're here to give people their teeth back. If they can't have it, that's okay, but we should at least give that option. And it kind of reminded me of this story I always think about probably about a decade ago when I started the practice. We were doing an implant CE course combined with a lot of the dentists that we work with and there was a prosthodontist lean and he was showing all these complex implant cases and people were bringing cases and showing them and we started going around and just treatment plan case after case and it was an implant course so obviously was talking a lot about implants i think everyone at the end was kind of the point like okay yeah that's you know another implant yep we got it and then this last person that went, this dentist showed her case and it was, it was really a very comprehensive case, you know, lots of implants, second molar implants, all these things. And by this point, some of the people were like, okay, like maybe this is a little bit excessive. Like, come on, do they really need those implants? I mean, they were kind of like giving her a hard time. like. And she's like, finally like said, okay, okay, this is my husband. This is his case. And the whole audience, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, forgive me. Like, of course, of course you would do it like that. Like, And it's like, wait, how come two minutes ago when you didn't know it as her husband, you thought it was like extreme? And maybe it would be for a lot of people and like kind of considering finances and everything involved. But that's always kind of struck me. Like, yeah, I'd probably rather have my second molar if I could, you know, if it was a difference between like providing for my family or not. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'd go without the second molar. But that I think kind of giving people the benefit of the doubt and at least kind of being in the practice of replacing teeth and thinking about it that way. And I think even in our practice, we do a lot of implants, but I don't think that's what is like the first instinct for our staff or or maybe even us as doctors. So I love that perspective and like being perfectly designed for the results that you get.
1: Yeah, I think it's just about changing the conversation, right? Where, you know, I think historically it was kind of like, well, we'll take your tooth out and Maybe if you want to replace it, maybe we'll talk about that, right? And I think we should always talk about it. And like you said, it's not right for everybody. And I'm not a pushy person at all. So I don't consider myself a used car salesman and trying to push people into doing something that I want to do, right? Like I try to educate them, first of all, right, on what their options are. But if it was my mouth, I wouldn't want to go without a tooth, right? So if that's what I would want, then why wouldn't I offer that to my patients? If I really care about them, I'd offer them what the best option is. And then if they can't do that, then yeah, certainly let's talk about other options and find something that works for you and that's comfortable for you. But certainly if it was my mom or my dad or my sister or my brother sitting in the chair, I'd want them to have what I would want in my mouth, right? Yeah, so.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's been a lot of fun developing paradigm and having this community of practice of other doctors to talk with. And I think, you know, even though we're in a lot of us are in groups, you're still somewhat isolated to your, you know, group of a couple doctors or whatever. And this has really, I think, expanded my horizons and seeing how other people do things and then sort of codifying it all and measuring it in data has been really insightful. And I love when we come across things where it's like, wow, I thought that was really important that we do it that way, but turns out that's not right or like the patient satisfaction scores wouldn't agree or the staff satisfaction or you know the productivity or whatever so i love those sort of like eye opening moments and you know kind of having a large network of doctors like you and your partners to kind of draw data from and you know make inferences and things and then to come together as a group. And I know you've been a huge part of getting involved and, in, you know, I've led some of the advisory boards and on our leadership committee. And they've gotten a lot involved in education and, and helping put together events to develop newer surgeons or even, you know, brainstorming sessions with very experienced surgeons. Maybe talk about how that has been or your thoughts on sort of the community of practice and the educational opportunities that have come about
1: yeah I think it goes back to that camaraderie that I mentioned before, right? Like I just I feel like not only am I partners now with you and with so many other great surgeons, but I feel like I'm friends with all of them too, right? Like we can get together and tackle a problem together or brainstorm and strategize on how we want to address some issue that would help us all become better, all of our practices individually. And in that process, you know kind of tease each other a little bit and have some fun together, too but really put some of the best minds together in oral surgery and, and come up with solutions that I think not only are improving each of our practices, they're improving paradigm, but I think really ultimately they're changing the way that oral surgery exists and also changing the face of dentistry as a whole, right? And, and I think we can't lose sight of that because that's what paradigm really is, right? It's, it's changing and improving what we all do and what oral surgery is and I think even broader than that, like I said, changing the face of dentistry for the better. Paradigm's not just one of those DSOs that I mentioned before that's cutting corners and cramming as many patients in, but it's really about providing the best care for patients and taking the best care of, of referrals. And how do we do that efficiently? So I, you know, I look at what we're doing on these committees and and what we're doing together as really an opportunity to strategize together and then to look for opportunities. And then be creative together on how we're going to address those opportunities for all of us to grow, and to learn, and to be better than we were before. Well,
0: just you know, kind of last thoughts: what excites you about the future of you know your practice and paradigm, and what do you think we should be focused on to really become the the best company we can over the next two decades?
1: I think there's a couple of things. I think it's again looking for opportunities, right, for improving efficiency, creating systems again that allow the surgeons to do what only they can do right so building our team around us and building paul gustafson likes to talk about a team of leaders right so how do we create leaders within our practice that can take everything away from the surgeon that somebody else can do and just let us focus on the things that only we can do i think paradigm does a really good job of helping with that you know implementing community liaisons and implant treatment coordinators and those kinds of things to really free up the surgeons. I think it's about efficiency. It's about generating demand. So marketing's a a big thing and Paradigm does a really good job helping with that as well. And then creating or increasing our capacity and our availability to take care of patients and referrals. And then I think that for the future, right, I think it really comes back to what you mentioned before, the average age of the Paradigm surgeons, like 42, right, young 40s. And I think we've strategically placed ourselves in that great position where we're not a company that's full of surgeons that are ready to retire, right? We've got young surgeons that are invigorated, that are excited and have still decades ahead of them to practice oral surgery. But we also can't lose sight of the future, right? and And you've done such a wonderful job of recruiting and bringing in young surgeons. I think we have what 24 new surgeons starting this year. And so one of the real exciting things is, is we're not just bringing them in and leaving them to their own devices to try to like figure it out, but we're bringing them in and we're educating them. We're helping them to develop their practices and develop their talents and then giving them all the support that Paradigm offers and all the support that Paradigm is to help them just have wonderful careers. And as you've mentioned so many times, what we're seeing time after time after time is when we bring those new surgeons into a an existing successful practice, and we fill their schedules and we help them to be successful. That what it really does is drives all of us to more success, and everybody does better in the end. And so I think that's really exciting too. That we're not not focused on exit plans, but we're focused on entry plans and bringing new surgeons and developing and and supporting them, and and we're all benefiting from that. So. I think that's really exciting. I'm, I'm excited for all the data that Paradigm collects and all of the knowledge that that gives to us to make strategic decisions that allow us to continue to grow, to be more efficient, to cut expenses, to increase our capacity as surgeons to do more and see more and take better care of our patients. And then you know other changes like you know CareStack. We're implementing the new software CareStack into our practice in about a month. I'm excited for what that'll do for us as well. And to have a program designed by oral surgeons for oral surgeons, I think will, will be a game changer as well. So there's a lot to be excited about, a lot to look forward to.
0: Well, yeah, I completely agree. And and that's what gets me excited too. And and thinking about the future, hopefully you and I have another 25, 30 years in this, but more important than what's happened or even what we're doing right now is what Paradigm is like, you know, after we're, we're not here or we're not practicing, not a part of it. So thinking about, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, making decisions now, being disciplined to those to set up great situations for the next generation of of surgeons, that's much more challenging than just solving issues of today. So I think if we stay focused on recruiting, developing, making Paradigm an amazing place for all doctors to practice and, you know, great professional reward and financial reward and really focusing on that and being creative and share, I think is very important. So I really appreciate your time, Mike. Every time we talk, I I get new ideas and get more inspired. So let's definitely do this again.
1: Absolutely. It's been fun.
0: You've been listening to The Paradigm Concept, brought to you by Paradigm Oral Health, an organization led and owned by surgeons passionate about shaping the future of our specialty and ensuring the needs of the patient come first. Learn more and subscribe to the show at ParadigmHealth.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on The Paradigm Concept.